Okay, welcome to another episode of The Visual Div. How you doing, Ali? Yeah, good, good. It was a random bank holiday here in Ireland. We've got 10 bank holidays in Ireland now. I know, Matt, you don't do bank holidays, but I take my bank holidays. I don't so do I bank was, holidays. Yeah, it was it was a good, good weekend. I always find the bank holiday, the week after a bank holiday, your things kind of get squeezed. You end up doing like five days work and four anyway, but it's still nice. It's still nice taking the day off. So, yeah. That is very true. That is very true. But we've got a special week this week because we have we our first, our first ever guest. Yeah. Mental. Is it me? Is it is it me? I, I was kind of, Who is I was it? thinking of just meditating. How came I? How did I become a guest suddenly? Not. I'm joking. Thanks a lot, guys, for having me. It's it's a pleasure. <laughs> Listen to almost every episode, and uh, thanks a lot for inviting me. This is this is. I think this is going to be awesome. Ah, cool. We should maybe we should call them contributors. It sounds a bit more like highbrow. <laughs> instead yeah, of you can be more legal about it. Associates, so you don't need to pay them. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right, to, to be honest though like um the way it's set up anyway alien is always the guest you know because i'm the host really i'm the host I'm I'm like, so... don't demote me to guest. oh yeah the co-host okay. i don't agree so i think I'm... you both are co-hosts and the way i listen to them at least every episode i listen it felt like there's two co-hosts and uh, it's it's the vibe no, that we're like this this balance I just literally, I'd say Matt has changed all the passwords and kicked me out of everything. I'm now just a guest. <laughs> well, no, I, I, to be, to be honest, I think the reason you call me the host is because then I have to do all the, all the, the freaking work to get it out into the world. Just like, ask, Alien, oh, no, ask, just, ask, it, ask, ask Alien, how, how much editing has he done? How much like uploading has he done? You know, none. so, so I'm, I'm taking the host. I, if I do all that work, I'm taking the host. I'm the you, host. Yeah. And and I make you do the intro, and you make me do the intro. Yeah, because when you well, to be honest, I made you do it once, and it didn't go very well. So yeah, because so, you uh... sprung it on me like a second before <laughs> we were going live. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right. If you hadn't a guest already, who is our guest? Who is our associate? Who is our partner on this podcast? Um, introduce yourself. So most most of you know me by the name of Search Historian. My actual name is Iva, and even that's not correct, but that's good for for the <laughs> for the premises of this of this stream. And uh, I'm you know I'm quite active on on Twitter, Buffalo community, and those who don't know don't join Twitter probably don't know me. But yeah, uh, and I specialize in Buffalo SEO. Uh, we have an agency that specializes in content management, content systems, CMS architectures, and things like that in Buffalo. Um, and yeah, we our goal is you know we help. I help websites after launch, ideally even before launch, to have systems that allow them their traffic numbers to go you know up and to the left, which is the main goal of SEO, right? <laughs> that hockey stick curve up and to the left, and if it's that's happening, then I'm doing my job good. So that's what I'm specializing in, and 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 that's probably why you invited me. I'm guessing, unless there's other reasons that I don't know. Well, no, like it's it's nice that you're into SEO, but to be honest, like I think we just. We we met you at Webflow Comp, and we just thought you you were a pretty decent guy to hang out with. So that's like we're not yeah, we're not in, really in the business rad. of bringing bringing the experts on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But where are you, Ivor, where are you based? Because you're 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 based in Europe, and I I kind of I think I know where you are. You're in Amsterdam, right? 
Yeah, you guessed it right. The one and only city not, of, of, not of Europe. You're not Dutch. No, I'm not Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Lithuanian, actually. Uh, so Baltic, so kind of Nordic in a way, but Baltic. And uh, uh, even my name is Scandinavian, so that's why I don't say the full name, because it's just too complex. <laughs> Go on, give us your full name. So my name is Ivaras, which is uh, Ivaras. Lithuanian. Ivaras, yeah. Which is the the full pronunciation? Uh, it's Lithuanian pronounced, and then if you would pronounce it in in Nordic, that would be Ivar, um, which is just means bow hunter or something like that in in in, in Scandinavian language. Your name bow hunter. Yeah, something along those lines. Why isn't that your Twitter <laughs> handle? <laughs> awesome. Funny thing, search historian came like... from search history is a term. And I just turn it into a search story, and just because it kind of felt like somebody that tra keeps track of search history. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But you could, ah, oh man, you could brand that bow hunter up, and it's an upside down <laughs> bow up and to the left, and you could be like, pull back the bow and fire your SEO into the moon. <laughs> yeah, up and to the left, hockey stick always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, Alan, Alan, I didn't think you were so creative. Yeah, you, you don't like. I thought you were all about the tech, but you're quite tech is creative. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like you could come, yeah, you could. There's, there's just a free brand strategy meeting there for <laughs> for Bo Andrew. No, here's here's a question though, because in when you were describing um, where you're from, there we had we had the Nordics, we had Baltic, and we had the Scand Scandinavian. What like I always get confused confused so what's the difference between being living in the nordics or living in the baltic region or living in scandinavia what like because that's so the main difference so, is uh, that yeah. i was born when soviet union collapsed in the place where it collapsed as opposed of scandinavians didn't have that issue uh the culture the, the, our language that we speak is indo-european uh, which basically means it's the oldest language in Europe and it's closest to Sanskrit of all things. So we have insanely hard grammar. So when you finish your high school, if you get like 60% from your Lithuanian exam, you're like, woo! And then you have 95 from English. And you're like, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. Oh, so bad, so bad. <laughs> so because it's so hard. <laughs> um, and uh, the difference is that, yeah, part of my family is actually Norwegian, but... Uh, small part, but still, uh, my 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 cousins are, um, and uh, it, the difference is very big, you know, because we are a young nation that started in 1991, and then you know, Norway, Finland, Sweden, Denmark are not in that scenario. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool that it's um, closest to Sanskrit. I spent um, two or three months in India. When my fiance got web, Jesus, probably seven years ago, but then there was all these um, like little things that I noticed that were very similar to Irish, and I was like, "This is bananas!" Like, and it it became I've seen it too many times that it was like this is too much of a coincidence that this word sounds like the Irish equivalent of that word, and I can't remember them now, but there was then I was just seeing more similarities then with English and even it got so far as to I was seeing like the sun salutation with the yoga sun salutation I could see what you know the Catholic church goers 
um, you know, standing up to pray and then going down to their knees and sitting, I could almost see that movement in the sun salutation. Like, very hot takey kind of stuff here. But at the same time, when you start seeing these patterns, you can't unsee them. It's so cool. That's that's so mad that you said that language is closest so, to Sanskrit. The funny fact, like you met my wife, both of you met that, met her in, yeah. in, in London Conf, uh, Buffalo Conf. So uh, her name in Sanskrit means son. It's actually a male name which uh, with a female variation, which is very rare, but still happens. So she has that name. Mm-hmm. And in our language, it kind of goes something like an eagle uh towards that that side and in sanskrit it would be sun it's just the word for sun and uh so yeah that's that's weird to be in europe uh and 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 speak this language where only us and latvians uh speak that branch of language and uh yeah it's it's very flexible like we the way i explain it like uh and we speak it back home with my wife always because we both work from home so like in english you can say where a table is what shape it is but in your language you can say in my language you can say the same amount of words but also explain how the table is feeling what kind of mood it's in how big it is like we have variations for i don't know 17 levels of big to small instead of just big or small or vast or something we have like a lot and all of that goes into the same word so you kind of can flex and you can even create words that some people never heard but they will understand it just because of how grammar works so i used it first time ever and you can still get what i said just because of how grammar works that's really interesting. So the, 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 there's actually, um, there's a book about the Irish language by Monk and McGann. And I think it's 30 names for green or something, something like that. But um, his the whole premise of his book is that there's different Irish words for different events going on at the same item. Like, um, and he, he uses the example of a field, which a field is easy for us to understand we all look at a field but there's a field in summertime there's a field after rain there's a field before the rain and there's each there's like a word for each of these events there's a field there's a name for a field that has a particular rock in the middle of it and if that rock has got kind of um historical or um a religious significance then they would have a a version of that exact same word and his his whole point of writing this book was he was exploring the Irish language and he was trying to because Irish is a it's a it's we weren't a written language, we were more like of a verbal, a spoken language, and history was passed on through through things called like the Shanaki. Like the Shanaki was a um a local speaker or someone who would come around and tell stories. And then we've huge poetry and, and, and song culture that would all be passed on from generation to generation and and he was worried that this has been lost and he wrote this book and it's really hard to read because I don't understand these Irish words but when he explains them I understand why they're of significance and then it reminds me of my granddad and he would have unusual ways of speaking English which were basically Hiberno Hiberno English um, sayings which is a direct translation, even though he didn't speak Irish, it was like his grandfather would have passed on these words, these phrases of which were directly badly translated from Irish into English. And we still have unusual ways of speaking English in Ireland because of this Hiberno English way of, of speaking. 
and this is when we talked before Matt about um uh the introduction of like uh localization and I was like wouldn't it be awesome if like I was building a product that was speaking to Irish people in in Hiberno English and then we had products in UK English or even Welsh English and Scottish English and not just thinking that we should have a homogenized American English we do, we should embrace the diversity of English that there is around the world and even like where I am in County Clare the way I speak now in County Clare compared to the way I spoke in County Kerry is completely different and I met two lads I met two lads from Cork the other day and sure they're singing they're not even speaking English they're singing all the time and it's wonderful like all these different versions of English but sorry I'm gone on a tangent there but there there's huge similarities like top level similarities between Irish and and your native language that's awesome <laughs> that's an amazing segue into do- localization right <laughs> can get a segues here yeah yeah that's what a real locale is yeah that's what a real locale is like you adapt to, to what the region actually needs rather than just translate it to something you know and that's 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 mm-hmm. not only prices and 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 language but it can also mean a lot of other things like uh, one of our web shops deal with uh, certain products that uh, certain cultures don't buy from that color or another buy. Um, and mm. uh, in, in the, they mean very different things uh, for, for those cultures. So it's kind of, that's how we found like a niche in that, in that e-commerce business. It's like, okay, so if we start selling what doesn't, for restaurants, doesn't feel like those, the color and the product doesn't match. And then you get a huge market that starts buying it because they they, they feel different about colors and, and they have different connotations. Yeah, that's with the same mad. Color. Like I'm, I'm currently working with a designer and Matt, you've, you've met her too, Yana, and on this product that I'm building. And at the very, very early stages, we were talking about colors and I was saying about how in Ireland, colors like yellow and black have changed their meaning because of COVID. They've changed their significance because we see in Ireland yellow and black everywhere. It's almost like a warning sign, but maybe at the start we talk, thought of it as protective, but maybe now we're thinking of, of it as a legacy thing that we don't want to think about anymore. And Jana is in Germany and she said that it was more, that there was a different color palette because they were the color, I think it was brown, but that was the color palette of the notifications from the government. So even in like, you know, Europe, in the EU, there's two different, under, we read two different color palettes differently because of a recent event and like i don't know like imagine doing a study on that like what how color changed communication because of covid it'd be nuts it'd be absolutely bonkers and well, it'd be it, so it, cool to be able to incorporate that into yeah like a product or like someone sees something they don't feel frightened or they feel welcomed because we've chosen the right colors based on where they are it'd be amazing but i, I think like i'm a bit speechless right now because i don't really know anything about language um, but thankfully, you brought it back to to what what we can, what I can talk about here. But no, there was a there was a thing Actually, on, on just on that one. I can't wait to put out the video. There was a moment there where Matt's jaw literally was like, "What the hell?" I was. So, I was like, I was obviously like, we're on this like is a... unbelievable. This is um, like, I love it. I love I love it when my brain hasn't been exposed to anything related to this stuff before, and therefore I've got no opinion on it, and your brain just goes into sponge mode, you know, like <laughs> there are certain moments in life where your, your brain goes into ignore it mode. You know, you go into daydream mode, don't you? But right then I was like in sponge mode going, 
Oh my, like, what? Like, what? What? This? What? What are these guys talking about? I need to learn all this. I, I remember talking, I remember reading about the, um, a baby's brain, okay? So a baby's brain in Egypt is, um, they did a study, it'd been preserved, and they worked out that today's baby's brain is the same size as the brain was back in the Egyptian days. So basically, your our brains haven't got bigger, but our knowledge is always based off the preceding knowledge of the people that come before us. And that just, it always fascinates me that it's not, it's not about um, learning or inventing stuff new. It's about building on the stuff that people have told you or that you've learned off someone and just adding that little bit of extra. And then also leaving that bit and passing that on to someone else is kind of a responsibility of every generation because like, as you were saying, like, you know, certain things got passed down through language rather than being written down. But it's all in the brain. It's all a build-up. It's like layers of a, you know, like a tree, like rings of a tree. It's just, it's just fascinating. And, you know, like talking and it's about... it's also that on that point, like it's so, um, it's so fragile, that way of preserving, um, preserving anything because it needs to be passed on. It can't be stored. It could die. Like, I'll just give a simple example. My granddad used to call me a gossin. And a gossin is like a boy, a young lad. But... Garçon in French, like they're, they're too close in similarity, but I, I never hear it anymore. So my granddad died and I don't, I don't use the word gossin anymore. And maybe in County Mead, Mead is in the Midlands of Ireland, there might be some people there that still use it. But it's like, it's kind of sad that, you know, it's lovely that I have that memory of my granddad, but my dad never called me a gossin. And down in Kerry, where I grew up, I never heard the word. I only heard it in County Mead. And I, I haven't heard it since he's died. So like, there's the fragility of this way of of passing on information, but at yeah, the same so, time, it's beautiful. You know, it's it's. See, um, I was um like, you got the fragility on one end, and then you got the progression side on the other. And I, we were in Dublin in Phoenix Park the other day, and there's this gorgeous old tower built by old stone. You know, they they've none of these modern techniques. It's just just tower, you know, but you can't go into it. It's shut off. It's a museum. And I'm, I'm like, gee, it'd be, it'd be cool to put a little cafe in there, you know, knock a little hole in the wall and put some, you know, little uh, hipster cafe and they serve, you know, little cakes and stuff. And then you go back and go, well, you're not allowed to do that because it will destroy stuff that was built in the past, you know. And there's there comes a point when you just have to live in the mo in the present and say that what we add has to be adding to something. And you shouldn't fear that, you lose stuff from the past because the stuff in the past is in the past and the stuff in the future is in the future. And it's just, uh, it's just, you just need to embrace the fact that things will change and they should change. And they, they change for a lot of variety of reasons, whether it's, you know, someone moving from Kerry to Clare means that someone in Clare in 10 years time will be speaking a little bit like a guy from Kerry because yeah. Alan, Alan Tobin moved in there and he likes talking about talking on a podcast that, people from you know lithuania listen to you know <laughs> yeah no that an evolution is definitely important but my my concern would be more that um like uh, and this is true everywhere but irish is, ireland has got such a rich music and 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 spoken culture that external influences because they're more fun or cooler could drown out that culture 
not culture, but drown out but that. I'll give you. Yep. I'll give you a good a good data point. The word gusan and gusan meaning is looked on the internet thirty. 350 times a month, uh, 100 of that, which is 28% comes from United States, and then uh, 60 from United Kingdom, and Ireland itself only looks, up, only 10 people in Ireland look it up, so that means that the look culture up the word spreads. Gussens. Yes, I looked up the keyword Gusson. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, Come on, we have to tangent this some, somehow into, the, into some sort say, of... I've... I, I was saying, guys, you've been speaking about something random for 20 minutes. Let's get onto the subject that I'm here to talk about. <laughs> no, that no I, like, I know I can talk about. Yeah. Rather than spilling all the Macy's. Would that be because someone heard the word and then is searching it as opposed to in Ireland, they're just using it? Or somebody like Peaky Blinders used it and like, what, what is that? You know, and just kind of looked uh, it up or, yeah, or things yeah, like yeah. that. And, and that's how it happens, right? That's that's what Matt so, was saying about, per, 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 uh, you know, saving the knowledge and building on a tree. You know, I, I, for example, I save my knowledge. We have hard drives with all our family pictures with me and my wife, which is thousands of them. Uh, and we call it, in the, keep it in a Faraday's cage, just in case a solar storm comes. Yeah. So just in case there is a chance for it to survive, even in a cataclysmic accident, it's in the Faraday's cage and there's two drives with uh, multiple copies all the time. That's nuts. Yeah. And actually this this week in Sundance, there was um, an, an Irish language movie Um by oh fuck what are they called um Pope Mahone or something or oh shit there was an Irish rap group in Belfast and they had um they had a, a documentary but it's in Sundance and it's winning all these awards so I don't know if it's sinking in with that like there's literally a movie going around the states that's spoken in Irish which people are just like what I tell you what this is we're going to call this episode the tangent episode well, it's not really like it's language is what we're trying to communicate. And like, you know, um, I was like, it's a language expertise that he has. He just like hones into like keywords of languages. And okay, how is this related? And I have a, a tangent that brought us here. So, uh, yes, uh, whenever we talk about like websites and SEO, it's, it's usually translating cer certain goals and needs of the business. Uh, in some cases, that business doesn't exist online, but maybe is actively working in a brick and mortar or wholesale or whatever. And then we're kind of adding a new revenue stream. But it is communicating with the stakeholders, understanding their message, forcing them, and that's the hardest part, to dissect everything into atoms, what they do, every offering, every tiny thing, and dissecting it back into a coherent system. Because that's the hardest part and that's the only thing that matters. And also matching it to human language, uh, what I call like fluff headings, you know, we empower scale-ups with uh, knowledge and uh, industry. Like that means nothing. You're a calendar app. That's what you are. That's what the <laughs> heading should say. <laughs> so translating all that into human language, assuming that user doesn't know anything. And that's what SEO fundamentally is. And I'm also looking for semantic meanings between pages. So how they relate to each other, which you guys probably remember a bit from my, uh, you know, from my Webflow.com talk where I kind of talked about like those different connections, why the sites are, cannot be small, like they have to certain 
sizes matter, mm. you know. But yeah, it's it's actually is like language is important here, and that language is just explaining to people like they're five year olds, not because they're five year olds, but because you cannot guess what experience and what vocabulary and what they know and what they don't know. So you have to simplify everything so that it's understandable for everybody. And that's the hardest part, you know, uh, keeping the fluff out and getting straight to the point and being coherent about your messaging all throughout the, the page and throughout the whole website. So, so this is fascinating because, so I've got a client recently who may, maybe this is a bit harsh, but they, they design and write their copy in a way that I feel like, yes, they assume a lot of stuff, you know, so much so that I don't really understand what their product does. And I've, I've told them this, you know, I don't really understand what their product does. Um, but how, how do you, you know, for want of, you know, being sub subjective and going, Hey guys, I don't understand it. How can, or how would you recommend I talk to the client in a way that brings them back to the business objectives and saying, look, the way you should write your copy and the way you structure your site should be, as you said, as simple and as direct and, and, and as sort of um, empathetic to lots of different uh, viewpoints. How, how would you present that in a way that aligns it to their business objectives? Because at the end of the day, like when, when they, they look at a page, they go, yeah, but that that's, that doesn't look cool, or that that that's not what, no, that's not what we are. Like we're not just a a calendar app, you know. Because but they said that we're a calendar app, and how do we stand out? But how do you then go? Okay, but actually, the proof is in the pudding. If you do it this way, you will rank higher, or you will get uh, your user experience will be better. Therefore, Google will like you better. Therefore, da 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 da. You know how. Okay. Is there a way to link link that yeah, up? Yeah, I think there's the two answers like, yeah. to this question. Yeah. So there's two parts, I think, to the answer. One is, first of all, we're, if we're talking search engines, search engines cannot read. That's the biggest misconception people have about crawlers. They can't read. They don't understand. So the only way they make sense of things is how mostly how users behave on the website. Because, uh, you know, using by word inside text and using by inside a link, which is a button, uh, it's kind of the same for the crawler, but behavior that that users click on this, click on this, and pay insert payment details tell us this is an e-commerce store or a SaaS or whatever, right? And then if it doesn't, then its behavior tells us that it's just a word inside a text because crawlers just run through code. So that's one thing. Uh, so that's why you have to uh, make great semantic meaning for the crawler to how things relate to each other, what's on this page, what's the goal of this page, and there can be only one. Uh, so that's the, the SEO side of things, right? Keep things simple, <laughs> like the typical design but, but, uh, ruler. But, so if I, but, if, if I put certain language on a page, how do I tell, how do I tell the, the crawler that this page is about this if they don't understand? Oh, so headings and uh, how many times you use words and it's not about stuffing as many words that you want to rank for it doesn't yeah. work that way for more than 10 years now since semantic seo came to play uh which semantic seo means that you're not thinking about the keyword you're thinking about the the behavior and the the, the intent of anybody who would use this page and does it deliver on that intent which uh, you know which is the thing i spoke about in buffalo conf right in the in the talk but to answer your question from the other side, it's 
the best opening moment I've seen with people like that, where they want to be, no, we don't want that kind of user. We don't want that kind of, I'm really shocked when people say that. Like when you have a business and say, yeah, but we don't want that kind of client. Well, you don't get to choose with a website because you don't have a way to vet. You can vet later, but you cannot vet before they visit your site. You can vet them later and put them into brackets and reject their need to you know, take your services or whatever, but you cannot do that before. So the best thing I saw is when you kind of install Hotjar or even better, find the perfect client that even the, your client is saying, oh, this is the one we want. Then you find one of them and give them two minutes on the website and then ask a few questions. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing because with UX research, you cannot give them the answer within the question. So asking questions have to be made in a certain way. And then I get a lot of these Webflow sites where we meet for the first uh, meeting, which you know lead schedules and then I do a mini audit and then I walk them through what I found in the site and usually by the time I find like the core issue I stop kind of digging deeper because there's always more stuff but we want to focus on the main thing and there are I would say like 10 to 20 percent of the times uh I, I don't get what they're doing in like three minutes like I look at their site I don't I have no idea what this bit so this is bad you have like seven seconds to explain to me what you're doing, uh, you know, and then if those seven seconds didn't explain, but at least got me hooked, then I can at least start scrolling and looking at stuff. So, and I meet this many times where I don't, I look through thousands of websites every month because I analyze competitors. I look for examples. I look for non-niche related, niche related examples. Like I look, and if I don't get what you're doing, then trust me, general public won't have a clue at all. Uh, they're just gonna get confused and leave. So showing those clients that thing where your perfect ideal client got confused by what you sell is usually, uh, the way I saw this, this is, something that is not that easy to replicate, easy and said and done. But if you can make that happen, then there's just like pops. That's why Hotjar on websites are usually very cool. When they start, every business owner likes looking at how people move around their site. And they, then you start make, getting these insights. Like nobody gets what they're doing here. Everybody's just clicking around, doing random stuff. Like, wait, this doesn't work. <laughs> and that's where I think yeah, the, the progress. Is amazing. Are any of those heat maps are made? They're so, so cool. Even like if it isn't just... Like SEO for recording. basic I'm UX. about the recordings where you see the actual mouse moving and clicking yeah, on yeah, things yeah. And, and trying the to log map and For some reason, they're hitting this empty space in the mm. middle of nowhere. <laughs> or the, the cursor is going up and down and left and right and going right over to CTAs or something. Or opening or... product, coming back to the website. Opening product, coming back to the website. And not being confused because there's no pipeline moving forwards. Like, oh, you need help. It's not backwards, it's forward. And then they're like, you have to prove to the dev team, guys, you don't have a knowledge base. You don't have a, a lot of things. And it, and they are like, oh, so put it on the website. No, website is for leads. You guys have to convert them and retain them and keep the churn on and their chokehold. And it has to move forward, not backwards, because that's confusing. We made a site that explains to people off the street that never knew your product, they typed in a problem into Google, they clicked on something, they open it up, and it clearly shows that this solves their problem. They don't know what your brand is. They don't know your name. They don't care about how unique you are. They just want to be sure that what they typed in Google matches what you guys offering are here. Click on that. 
and then go in, and then when they get confused, because they usually do, especially if there's not a walkthrough, right? Then you have to still help them and continue and progress and knowledge bases and walkthroughs and all that stuff, you know? So that's like for SaaS, but for other other types of any other type of business, it still works the same way. You don't never, you should never force them to go back. It should always go forwards because each step is aimed at one specific tiny little goal that cannot be, oh, we have a few things. This is a page that ranks for this thing, but also it explains how this tool works. No, that's two different places on your website. Would you like that the uh, so, feature page on their website would also have the knowledge, uh, the university articles and videos spamming at you before you even know what this is? <laughs> it's like, oh, this is Div. It's very simple. Look what you can do with Div. That's, what, what is it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, if if I so if I was to boil this down and you know if I was to create a, a landing page that explains this, you know, like let's let's boil it down to is um. Google is a, it can't read, so the the bots can't read stuff, yeah, okay, but they are they're inferring stuff because of how they would navigate through a site. So they're inferring what's behind the click or what's behind the scroll or whatever. But in in essence, when you, when I talk to a client, I go right, the the site will perform better when this type of person understands what the hell you're talking about and and to 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 kind of get them onto the same page i.e that aha moment you know of watching a hot jar the only way to do that is really show them something like a hot jar or a or a or a heat map because you know yeah we work in the visual realm here now with webflow which is part of the the appeal of it but is that is that a is that the only way that we can convince clients because you know i I'm giving feedback to clients and you know a lot of webflow devs won't give feedback to clients because that's not their realm you know I I'm not dealing with you know copy I'm not dealing with SEO this is I'm just building the stuff and I know you work in a diff- completely different way because you know you you've got a bit more specialism in that in that sense but if I was to come up with that client how would I without going hey look we're going to run an experiment and you know is there is there any other way we can we can demonstrate to a client and give them that aha moment because at the end of the day, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to you saying it's not good or it doesn't make sense. They, they're going to listen to, as you said, to if demonstrate. If they're willing you to talk to me, they might listen to me, right? Because if they're willing to talk to me, then they're imagining that there's a scenario where leads are automatically coming from organic search and then those leads turn into clients and, you know, basically dollar signs inside the eyes. And that's why they're going to might listen to me. Um now that still is based on the research. Like there are certain scenarios where leads come to me, I start looking into it. it. Sometimes even work for a few weeks. It's not that it happened, but I know that it can happen because I had my own business ideas where that happened for my, myself with my own personal websites that we run, where it's like, yeah, cool idea, but uh, it's not for SEO because there's no nobody's looking for that. Nobody's you know needing that, and that's what. The difference is like if your clients already have a business branch, which is not online, which is not organic search, especially uh, ads kind of work because if they're running ads, they probably already know also some organic stuff. They're just pushing down, kicking the bucket down the road because they know it's harder, takes longer and returns are not immediate, you know. So if they have that mindset, 
then they might listen to somebody like me. But like, how would they listen to you? It's hard to predict. The only way I can give you here, like the only hint, people underestimate that the best SEO tool is Google itself. <laughs> like a lot of people forget that the actual SEO, best SEO tool is Google. If you type in, if you sit down, you as a client or you met as a, I want to do good for my client. If you think, okay, so what does this page could rank for like if I would be the the, the, the the potential like user the potential money back that will bring some value return investment like what I would like to type in uh, how would I look for this without knowing that this exists and then you type that in uh, and then you start looking at the top 10 results and usually you see so many patterns the headings are almost the same the heading layouts are almost the same. The content type is almost the same. The page type is almost the same. Like everything is almost identical. And if that doesn't match your existing thing, it's probably not gonna rank, right? <laughs> like there is reason to believe that Google already has some idea what is the search intent behind every user that does that and what is the best answer to that problem, meaning what types of pages they need. And people forget that. They say, oh, we're going to rank with whatever we want. No, no. There's like rules to that. Like users behave, you know, when I had a, one of the early businesses we had with my wife, uh, which scaled too fast and kind of, yeah, it was a nightmare story at the end. But still, <laughs> we learned one thing. You can't predict one person's behavior, but you can predict when they're going at mass. Like really easily you can predict what's going to happen at mass, at scale. and that's why search engines work the way they work. And that's why content that ranks there ranks the way it works. Because at scale, that's the best thing. And if you're not trying to build the best thing on your website, then be unique, be find other marketing channels, make TikToks, <laughs> become viral, <laughs> sell your product that way. It's your call. But if you want to fit into existing system, you have to respect that system. And that system, trust me, <laughs> It's a hard job Google has, and they're, they st they still have a lot of issues, but they're doing their best because we all use Google. We buy stuff off of Google, mm -hmm. right? We type something in, buy some products. We research on Google. We type in Buffalo University, div, blog, uh, I don't know, CMS slider or something. It's just something pops up, and you can learn about it right now without knowing where to go. It's just given to us. So, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> See, that's that's a this is kind of cool now because Webflow, like this is what I loved about the Webflow Conf was seeing the diversity of nerds, basically <laughs> how people just like went on random different tangents. And like the first time I came across you was because I was going really deep into like Webflow HTML and CSS and trying to show that if you build your Webflow websites well, then it will rank better because it performs better. And then you've, you've set up a good structure for SEO and then you can pass it on to someone like yourself. So how, how you're saying there like about reverse engineering what's already on um, Google. Essentially, it's like, let's look up Google, reverse engineer what we have going on there and build a product that Google likes. Now, I'm kind of, going on a tangent here, but like the creativity that's inside in Webflow, how do how do you combine both? How do you have like incredible creativity and allow people go absolutely bananas, like multiple divs deep, 
um, headings that aren't headings doing amazing interactions and then also keep that like visual like power and that wow factor but also combine um, something like SEO like to do that in terms of structure and making sure your HTML and semantic HTML is is on point it's it's quite hard so I'm, I would assume that the SEO side of it would even could be even more difficult okay so there's a reason why a few years ago I stopped taking clients from non-Veflo clients and focused on Veflo SEO, which was hard and still is, uh, because uh, there's still th- th- this this branch of of you know Veflo where uh, as uh, first it was mostly Veflo designers, but you, Alan, was the opposite. You were like a dev that used Veflo from the early days, right? Uh, but still, it was more branded in designers. Now it's branded, which I love for actual technical perfection, you know, uh, which is development work. And now even the, I, I noticed even some designers are now sad, like, oh, we don't know all the features. Like, I don't understand everything. It's starting to lose. I'm starting to get loose track of the, all the features that's coming in. I'm like, chill, bro. It's, it's The platform is growing all good. Like, this is how it should be. Like, there's it has to be multiple ways to do the same thing. And there has to be that you don't know all the features. It's all good. Like, you don't know all the features in Photoshop. You never will. Like, it's just impossible. Yeah, you can yeah. know a lot and you can know enough. And different Photoshoppers would make the same image with three different ways they would go about it and, and maybe not even use the same tools. But that's what Buffalo is now becoming, right? So the reason why I chose not to take, because I when I realized how Buffalo works, how powerful it is and how simple it is to use compared to what would t- take you and how much people and effort would take on other platforms. I also realized one thing, like you can with Webflow match the existing thing. And that's the hard part without going creative, because you do, if you don't put yourself inside a box, then it's not creativity. It's just bullshit. So that's why best <laughs> projects we make, no, really like think about it. if I can do whatever, then I don't do anything. But if there's specific constraints of my creativity, that's when the best things happen because I have specific, uh, and, and the best projects we had, the most successful ones, for example, one SaaS that is now getting, uh, it's a very small micro SaaS, but they're getting 100 new users every day. And uh, they don't even have a blog. They just have a lot of kind of content, SEO pages, and and they're all about the features, so what the software solves. And then it's just on autopilot going with, with minimal investment. The way we did this was first plan, then develop it in Webflow from Relink components, then make sure that the whole system spinning together works, those like 60, 70 pages or something, and only then design on top. Because then we know exactly what the constraints are, exactly what the pages need, exactly how they match. And that's where the most creative stuff came into play. Because designers come and they're like, look, this is here a bit. I don't know, you know. Mm, okay. Uh, how about, can we lose this these links in the paragraph? No, because I usually use rich text uh, blocks instead of paragraphs because that's the SEO way. <laughs> uh, I'm like, okay, so we can, but then we need to add like, and I'm like, okay, then we need to add 600 words at the end. It's like, oh, no, then it's, yeah, the links are okay. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> because these kind of, so, and then vice versa. They come to me with a creative way of solving something. How about we make it this way? Uh, and I'm like, okay, so, yeah, we can do that. It's it's actually a genius idea. And then, and then you kind of, so, if you put yourself in constraint first and you become creative on top of the existing structure, that's why I chose Webflow as an expert, as in like an SEO guy, 
because I know that we can take the existing search intent. For example, it's a product category, right? We all know how product category looks. There's a filter on the left or a pop-up, and then there's products down the line, and there's a, some sort of SEO blur at the end of the page that nobody ever even scrolls to. Uh, because that's the, the thing that tracks it, actually. Uh, and then there's like H1, and then there's a tiny paragraph in the beginning. We all have seen that page. However, in Webflow, we can you can build that, use the same rules, but then start adding stuff like uh, sorting, having sections of different sub-products and things like that. You can start be creative on top. Now, e-commerce is not a great example because it's still fundamentally very simple. Card, click on it, press buy, leave, receive the shipment. That's it. However, with any other search intent, you can do that even deeper. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to go all in on Webflow a few years back because I realized that we can not only, now we're not template-based, now we're not just gonna, we have to match the template to the existing thing, but we have to also, uh, you know, um, we can also be creative on top of that as soon as we replicated it, then we can start looking on ways on improving the search intent even more, further, be more helpful for the visitor, you know, rather than just copy what, the, what already others done. <laughs> Super interesting, because I, I, yeah, I. I, I was in a debate on Twitter over the weekend about, you know, um, whether you do desktop first and then mobile or you do mobile first and then expand up to desktop. And one of one of the things that we were talking about was how constraints drive creativity rather than, you know, a blank. When people say a blank page, the the word page actually is the constraint, you know, it's not. Or maybe some people say blank canvas, but actually in, in the world of websites and um, in the world of building a website that is business effective, i.e. it's just not a pretty thing, it does a job on the people can find it and Google can find it, you have to you have to do it on a blank page. You have to have those guidelines. Um, can, you, can you import those guidelines on top of an existing site? when you look at it or is it obviously efficiencies come into it it's like if you do that you know when you're building a house if you don't put all the plumbing in to start with you can build a house but then you realize oh i need a toilet well you need to dig everything up and put the pipe in is it is it similar is it that impactful or or can you does webflow allow us to come in and fix things a little bit more easily and less disruptively than say other other sites like because you know I, I work with clients and i'm like well maybe maybe this is part of our offering maybe maybe we we need to make sure that this is a solid part of the process because it will pay back so many times over later on if we get the fundamentals right rather than you know saying they go oh we've got an seo agency coming in and you're like okay we'll we'll build it first design it and then they can come in and help us refine the keywords Really, what you're what you're saying is, get in there early. Get as you said, get the make sure the journey is working and the messaging and the you know the linking, and then design on top of that. You know, so in ideal world, the way I see this, like uh, clients before even reaching out to a designer or Matt, and then Matt pointing them to a designer or or some sort of story like that they should come to somebody like me to actually research the anatomy that the website will need to have based on the business goals they have 
the issue is not a lot of people specialize in that. Um, and 80%, probably 90% of all the leads we get, we have to completely restructure the whole site. Basically, nothing stays. Oh, that's, that's the average. Yeah, that's the average that's of Buffalo that's... Agency, Alan, Matt, whatever, whoever made the site. That's the reality of like 90%. Uh, we can, we have to, and the other 10 build it themselves and they know a bit, a thing or two. Uh, so they know what they did and it's maybe not performing like, uh, like even today, I think I tweeted just before this, like uh, one of the clients, the ranking, they have like 16 pages in one system and and they're ranking for in, in like position 12, 9, 7, 18, something like that with the whole of that system for each page. And then I came in and said, look, we're going to do conditional formatting. We're going to scrap most of the sections. We're going to keep a few. We're going to create completely new sections. We're going to use the same CMS system you have. Just add a bunch of fields. Uh, and we're going to make it like that this, if we publish and select template, not 00, zero but zero, 01, it kind of has completely different layouts and it's it's better now. Um, even though visually it looks the same. And then we, I made the, the whole content and we kind of, I made, I took five of the, 60 potential things we can publish there, uh, continuing onwards. And I kind of wrote all of them that looked at the same realities, made one thing that fits all 60 by just changing a few words, a few paragraphs, but kind of goes in the same streamline. I looked, that means I looked at almost all of the, as I said, like all of the search result pages to look what's already there. And if it's all matching, then we publish the next day position two with that new page. And it's like, okay, so now let's do 60 more. Uh, so this is the, that that's that ten percent. They already understand a lot of things, but other ninety is the opposite. Like you just look at it, it's like, oh my god. Um, so okay, but gonna... how how am how am I going to bring you on to my clients without embarrassing myself? Basically, oh yeah, I, like, you don't I've need to because it. you're not the expert. So it's just the system. No, I, I know, to, but the system I, I is probably, just slugs I and I CMS fields. Think about it. I only deliver slugs. No. You need. H1s you need and the CMS fields you need not even fill them in. That's the system. It usually takes a month or two for a typical project. So first month usually goes, when I say month, it's not like on one client month. It's kind of, you know, a few hours here and there working with them uh, every week. But in general, you just try to dissect their business into atoms, turn it into human language. Usually they think they do one or two things and then usually find out rarely that there's less than 20 to 60 and you find all of those things, so those atoms, then you glue everything together, turn them into different slugs, different CMS collections, categorize things, because if you have 60 features, it's unmanageable if you don't have categories of them, blah, 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 things like that. And then you bring them, say, you're going to need these collections, these fields, these chase one, these H1s, these, uh, these slugs, and then this is the search intent behind each one of those pages, uh, and this is how each CMS collection has same search intent, different keywords. So, you know, I want a Webflow developer. I want a Webflow designer. I want a copywriter. It's still the same thing. Like, you know, it's, it's just the word changes. So I suppose what, what Matt's trying to figure out there is if um, Matt as a client design came in five page website, does that need to be scrapped? Well, Can you rephrase I, yeah, the I'm question? Thinking, I, I'm thinking well, of that. Just, just, I am. I, I'm, I'm kind I'm, of I'm, I'm paraphrasing here and kind of coming from my own position. Like if you think of the standard boilerplate client, they come in, they've got a they've got a 
a service or a product and they need a website up and running pretty quickly. It's usually five pages. You've got your home, your contact, your services, maybe a service, individual services page, maybe a team, an about us and an individual team page. So going by a five page website, does that need to be scrapped and start again? Or is that small enough? Because as you were saying in the Webflow Conf, that a small website is 30 pages or something you said. And then like a one or one to five page website, you're just like, that doesn't even, I don't even consider that a a website in terms of SEO. That's a business card because you need to find somebody to give it to them and then expect it's a business card. Yes, because think how a business card works, right? Yeah, it's social proof. You make the connection and then you give it the business card. That's a five-page website because you have to find those people and then send them there as mm. opposed to they finding you. That's why I call those. And to be fair, a lot of times clients are, are, that is what they want. They want someone, especially if they're new or they have got a little bit more funding and the, the, the offer has changed or the company has changed. What they want is we're going to a conference in two weeks time and we want people who we've shook hands with to Google us, find our name and say, ah, this website looks slick. These guys are professional. So that I suppose that's that often is the starting point. And then from there, and, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm asking you a difficult question here because something that could look good could be structurally shite because there could be just divs and divs and divs and no headings. Or as you said earlier on, someone could have built using something like Reloom. And I'm not knocking Reloom, but they could have used multiple header components which have headers and H1s, they don't have sections and H2s, and it could be all over the place. But something like that structurally is relatively straightforward to fix. But is is are we going down that route of, no, we need to scrap everything, or from that position, could you come in there and have a increased value, I suppose, without having yeah. to terrify the client and make myself and Matt look like idiots because we don't know anything about uh-huh. SEO. So, look... <laughs> It's, it's quite simple. Everything stays except for one part that will be restructured and also the other part that will be affected by it. So if you in the example you mentioned, five pages about contact, team members, things like that. And then you mentioned services. It, services are the features. doesn't matter. Like It's kind of the same thing, right? Um, same search mm-hmm. intent. You have a problem. You type that in in Google you know, uh, best Buffalo designer. And then, and then you, somebody ranks hypothetically and then you click on it and then the problem is solved. Now I found the Buffalo designer, right? So that's, that's the search intent or, so that would be a service and feature works the same way. Just type in the feature you want of the software and find it. Um, so hence that would mean that that page will be affected because it's usually like a 20, 60 page system just to operate that. And also it has to be less than three clicks away from the homepage. So the homepage links to categories that link to the bottom tiny things that you do. Because usually I see it like this. I think the easiest way to explain to somebody like you, Aileen and, and Matt, guys, if client wants to add a checklist or a card view on the site, in 95% of cases, that means like a CMS collection of things that you can go mm-hmm. deeper. As soon as they want to yeah. say, hey, can you list out these things? Unless they're making an account to pay us, but that's not, that's different. But like, as soon as they want, hey, can we make a bento grid? Hey, can we make a, hey, can you list out our USPs? Hey, can you list out 
Uh, he can make cards where we show, uh, you know, different offering USPs that we do. That's usually a CMS collection right there without even thinking, but also it has to be matched to normal human language. So if they say empowering startups, that's not a feature. That's, that's you know, but if they say, uh, you know, startup accounting, that, that's the feat. Yep, that's a page. Here you go. That's definitely a page. Okay, for sure. that, that's super interesting because like the way I would often use the Webflow CMS is for not necessarily linking out to new pages, but for functionality in terms of, not functionality, but like, um, using the power of the CMS to develop, like you've built something and you're you're more using it like a component, and a, and a and, and looping through those components so that you have multiple of the same thing and you don't have to go and, yeah, and find site, something hidden in the HTML and, as well. You know, you, and, you, and you in, do it in that so kind that, yeah. of sense. I'll give an example, like logos, clients we've worked with, they don't necessarily have to link out, but I suppose you're going to say potentially how we could use that for search intent, you know. Um, but at the same time, you could have structures, architecture set up where you have turned off the SEO um, indexing on that particular one. You don't have a page for that, which is an awesome update because before you had to have that page regardless. Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually learned a lot of doing a lot of SEO with that in mind, that we cannot have either even one CMS item without it serving something. So we cannot afford before that feature came to play. And now it's possible. Mm. And people still were using it like it's all good even then, which was even more shocking to me. Because <laughs> now at least you can turn yeah. it off and like, okay, cool. Yeah, we use it. Like it's a frequent asked question thing. It just populates and none of them needs to have their own page uh, or do it, right? That's another <laughs> question. Yeah. If you remember my is, how do you remember or do they? <laughs> Yeah, and no. this this kind of goes on to a little bit more because, like, I would be guilty of that, and very, I've, I've definitely done that in the past where I've searched a client that I've worked with, and it's just like, why is this blank page coming up that has my name on it for some reason? You know, like there's some weird SEO ranking of that page. Maybe like my website link is at the bottom, so it ends up backlinking from that page for some random reason. But now, another now because I'm using Webflow collections as a server along with HTMX. And I have to be very conscious that those pages can't rank and they have to be turned off. So it's like, we're, we're like a completely different stratospheres of what is, what, what's happening. And it's like how, what, what, what one could use Webflow for is what I should say. And it's trying to marry both of those technical skill sets to make sure that obviously they get searched for, or it, um, gets through the limitations of a webflow cms but i'm like my mind is is whirring over really quickly here because i'm i'm having a bit of a moment where i'm going how many 60 page websites have i built how many 30 page websites have i built how many five page or 10 page websites have i built well it's probably more likely to be a five and a ten you know and the client comes to me and even the clients where we have got bigger pages i haven't really thought of it's good or bad to have more pages it's just based on a kind of content footprint you know so how how do we level up with that and i would say a lot of freelancers in the webflow sphere um build small sites and that's not because they want to build small sites it's because that's what the industry and clients are asking them for because 
But do we are we thinking then that if a client comes to me and goes, look, I want this this type of site, and they go, okay, it's a ten it's a ten page site. I've got a client at the moment, ten page site, and I turn around and I go, hey this is a business card type of site you're not gonna rank you're like you're not gonna rank i'm sorry for your um, name sorry sorry to just like, for your name but, but if, like, if, for... if it's kind of okay but but yeah not for people don't know you they found and now it's converted to money no but <laughs> possible, okay so that again possible but very unlikely so then, then how do we how do we position ourselves as a um, a credible expert when really, like, if you think about the way we position ourselves and sell our services, um, you know, there's a lot of debate about you know, you price per hour or per day or per page or whatever, you know, all that pricing stuff. Okay, and I, I'm a I'm a big big believer, well, at least I do, and it's worked well for me. Um, and I was talking to Felix actually earlier about pricing per page. But as soon as I start going, hey, a ten-page website is not gonna is not gonna touch the size on Google for for your long tail of search intent. You need yeah, sixty. You need sixty pages. Does it not? Am I not so like undoing my credibility by saying, yeah, but that means I'm gonna get more money. Therefore, you've got to pay twenty grand for this site rather than five grand. No, like, I think Matt. Though in, in that instance, I'll just give a little example. You're you're mixing up page unique pages for development versus how many pages yeah. are going to get for published. For probably seven and collections. The site that I'm telling so like, you, I actually did a website for. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I just did a website years ago. I did a website for a physiotherapist, and with their services, like you know, fit, fit, foot physiotherapy, back physiotherapy, neck. And when I went through like the Google, one of the Google products to see, it's like there's 45 pages and I only actually built them seven or eight or maybe nine. But it, it when you have like, it can snowball really quickly without even realizing because of the power of the Webflow CMS. No, so no, you're still I, no, only I, building I, I, under, I understand that. I, I price per page or a template is a page. And I understand so, that the yeah. footprint of that might be different. But a client is coming to me as an expert in building websites and when the client says, I would like this to rank or try and rank here, I never, I never, I never thought to communicate the number of pages has a has an impact on that. I thought it was to do, you know, if you set up the pages right, you know, the story is right, it makes sense, da 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 da. The number of pages isn't having an impact. But what we're saying here is that if it's a business card. Yeah, forget about it. It's never going to rank. So you've got to come up with some way of generating more content, i.e. more pages, to get a bigger footprint on a bigger intent. And the project, before you know it, blows up into this big thing rather than... and and. But I'd rather deliver the news to, the, to my client going, look, you're trying to buy a Ferrari and act like a Ferrari, but you've only got the budget for a, a Morris Minor, you know? And be okay. honest with them rather than like just like we put it, we don't even talk about it because we don't really know. And I, I just want to there's a lot of freelancers out there who they they don't they don't know this stuff. Um, and they and it's they, good. They don't want to be sure. Yeah. And you shouldn't. No, know, but they should. They should because no. because the, the client doesn't come to them saying, I want a website. They come to you for a business objective. And if that business oh, yeah. objective includes. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is like often and often I've got a client now where I'm pitching for it. It's like we're going to site map it out. We want this interactive stuff. We want this this feature. But actually, we should be going, guys, guys, don't worry about that stuff yet. We need to work later. out. 
Well, you can, but they come up, they come with this perception of what they understand. And it's, it's our duty to, to give them the actual lay of the land. And maybe, as you said, 90% are coming, but 95% of freelancers in the Webflow world don't know enough to be able to educate them in a way that proves that they do need to do this stuff and the reason why you should. So is, is it, are we completely uneducated in this space? Are we like, is it it's, us as an industry? Are we, are we really doing our clients a disservice here? Because we, we're not, we're building what they, they ask us to build rather than building what they need to build oh, because we don't exactly, know. Exactly, man. You know? Completely nail on the head. So yes, uh, look, Few things unravel here. Are we, uh, as an industry, uneducated? It's more of it's too young. Like, how many resources for Webflow SEO do you know? Like, not a lot. And also, even then, it's it can be technical. It can be content driven, like I do. So basically, what that means, I'm the kind of CMS architect. Like, I, I come up with systems that work at scale, right? And that's why my kind of shtick is like, oh, more pages, more pages. But it's actually not. The side that I mentioned that is now getting like SaaS with minimal investment is now getting uh, uh, hundreds like new users every day or something like that. Three hundred of them visit, uh, sometimes one hundred and fifty, something along those lines. Roughly fifty percent conversion rate because people type that into Google. This popped out. Yep, that's all legit, and they just sign up. Like, uh, but the the thing that happens is like when you really think about it, that site has four development tasks for you, Matt. There's uh, the feature collection page, which is identical to the to the feature page itself. They look the same. There's only one difference. And it's not even a section. It's just instead of uh, all the six categories of, of other uh, shown on the services here, uh, sorry, on the features, one of them is missing because you're in that one. <laughs> that's the only difference. Everything else is the same. So that's kind of almost clone... You know, FinSuite, unbind, copy paste, bind it back on, done. Two pages. Then there's the home page and then the pricing page. That's it. That's it. That's four pages of development for you. So it's even less than your typical site. We haven't bothered with anything else. Like completely, no blog, no teammates, no nothing. Like it's, we plan, I planned 14, 12 CMS collections into the future, but we just picked the one that. If it works, then it's gonna make money, and then and then the client was like, "Yeah, okay, let's pause on other stuff. We can add that stuff later, you know." And because yeah, and then the other oh, so thing side of how many how many pages would it have? That how many pages? Seventy, as a site I know, sixty, seventy, something like that. Yeah, see, I'm, and, I'm building sites, and important thing for the clients. No, only four of them outperform the home page. So basically, we took 70 shots. Let's say we took 70 shots and we hit it only four times, out of which two of them brings 80% of the traffic. And then, uh, and both of them fit what the tool does perfectly well. And the only way to rank those two was to have like 70 pages of supporting content that explains that those pages actually do what we say, because what's on other pages and how we refer to those help. So it's kind of like a pyramid upwards where, where only a few want. So that's why it's a numbers game. And it's not a numbers be spammy. It's a numbers be helpful. Because that's also a difference. People think, oh, SEO is spammy. No, SEO is the best UI possible given the current conditions. 
Yeah, there's right. definitely a perception out there that SEO is a bit smoke and mirrors. That was so 2013. Like, Semantic SEO came out 2013, uh, 2013, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and it changed like since it's a technical, it's a technical problem that can be solved, which is awesome now. And um, and he, yeah, and even like ranking, and I suppose ranking can, and and this kind of goes with what you're saying. Like if it's spammy, but the website doesn't provide the answer or doesn't provide the conversion or the user experience is poor on that product, then Google will demote you, you know, like it'll, 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 you'll do well for a while, but it's, if it's not doing what the users want, it'll, it'll also get, Look. um, it won't, won't, it won't rank as high. And, and that's where, that's why like when we did a chat a couple of months ago, it's so cool to talk about how all the different skill sets and when you combine them together, like the way you're thinking there, Matt, you know, you get a UX person in there to make sure that the conversions happen properly. You get a good developer in there to make sure that semantically everything's everything is is done well. And then I suppose um, your suggestion there is then get the amazing design put on top of it. Is is how you would advise things? Yeah, is build the foundations and then make it pop, <laughs> as they all yeah. say. Make I mean, the logo bigger after that. Look, I'll give you an example. So how does this run, right? If if you meet one of my friends or people I follow on Twitter that are a bit more towards the SEO side or, or, or things like that, right? They, and even if my all jobs when I was still a job, not a, not a freelancer, not a not an agency slash freelancer slash that thing, right? It's somebody comes into play. And before we even start, we have like 2,000 pages planned out into the future. Like before we even open WordPress, back then it was WordPress, now it will be Duffel, doesn't matter. Like because we have to future proof this as a business idea. And that's how you scale something from zero dollars a month to 100K a month in like a year or something. Then because there's so many moving parts, there's, and back then it would be like, we need a developer, we need a link builder, we need somebody who does the content, we need some other person who does different type of content, we need a designer that will design certain things, blah, blah, and we kind of start planning. So that's like the end, the the, the, the end goal, right? Uh, which is basically like before you start, if you if you have SEO knowledge, you know that before you start, you spend time planning and future proofing the concept. It's like okay, so do people actually look for it? What do they look for? Blah blah blah. That can be done the same way. So basically, SEO when I come in and why we have to destroy websites. Um, is because nobody did the business research part. Like, is there even business? My my wife uh, and I run a few e-commerce stores. One of them is a digital product, and now we launched uh, a physical one, and it's kind of starting to grow. And I have a spreadsheet with all the uh, 15,000 variant limit on Webflow written down before I even uh, opened the site. The whole thing is yeah, that's no, forced it, her, just, that's I forced so cool. her to make it because I had to make sure that we don't need to split the site into multiple Buffalo builds so that it fits into 15,000 uh, CMS variant. Because the problem is we publish one one uh, product with uh, 50, uh, with 50 variants, that's 50 items. And and we might need to split it on proxies to, to have different parts of the site on different Buffalo sites. So we had that. And as soon as we done with that, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. And I'm not going to lie, man. Alien, you would hate seeing that site. It's a Webflow template 
then some uh then on top of the things i needed like cms filters and blah 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 all that stuff it's from reloom and finsuite the classes don't match i use both buffalo class naming i say fucking nightmare man and then there's like everything is nightmare there but it works <laughs> and then i know that we will have to clean it up as we fly but i'm not gonna invest time now to build it from scratch when I can do it in two days uh, with the with this kind of approach, and it works now, and it starts to rank, starts bringing in people, starts to sell products and things like that, and then later when we have more resources to invest, then we're gonna be fixing it, you know, basically changing flying plane parts as it's flying. So now we're gonna remove this wing and put it back on. But you know, it's it's kind of how it's going because the data, the the CMS structure, uh, I even I I I ran out of fields, so of uh of the field count so each product for example has display none i think you know when it says like the product name and the price next to it and then below maybe says some sort of two words the category where it's from right so those categories one is shown and i have like 40 below not shown display none because that's how filters work and that's how the whole system spins together with what's happening yeah that's the part of the business like if you want to have an online business do the business research and understand what you need to build you don't need to build it today now it's only what 30 categories and maybe closing into 100 200 products or something like that if we turn that into variants maybe 800 variants or something and it's not gonna be capped for next the way we're counting two to three years but i know all of them before we started I'm, because I'm, we like, chased I'm, what people I'm, need, not what we think. Oh, I want to sell this thing and I'm going to call it in the name that nobody knows that even exists. No, we research what people want, exactly pinpointed the, the, the what we sell and matched our business plan to the existing market where we know that they need this. Therefore, we will be the best at providing that. And that's what we're doing. So how, how do we convince people? The rest of us, i.e. the rest of us freelancers, to to have this in mind because I, I just got a feeling we're just doing our clients a disservice by not knowing that, like, it's, in, in one sense, it's kind of common sense, isn't it? Because it's like, if you're going to launch a business, research your audience and give your audience what you want. Find the you know, client first, build the product later, yeah, right? That, that's, that's the right one there. Yeah, find the client because... The amount, so the, going back to like pricing and why I never itemize my pricing, when I itemized pricing, the one thing that was always pulled out and people and clients wanted to reduce cost based on was research. And it's like, so it, it's one of those no, things I, that they're but like, I've, oh, I've, I've, not got a, I've, I've not got a problem with that if they pull it out on the understanding that they're pulling out the, the out, output of research. So if I understand, you know, like, I'm. I don't want to pay for this coffee, but I know that that coffee has got caffeine in it, and therefore will power me for the next three hours. I I understand what I'm giving away exactly. Yeah, but if I'm if I just see research, like like we're going through one of those. If I just see discovery, and I don't actually equate that discovery to what we're going to find in discovery and what the the actionable output is going to be, then of course a client's just going to go. Well, I, I'm not really sure about that. Whereas design, they sort of go. I know what design means, dev, I know what dev means, but it's the, it's that business research, which I, I understand gets thrown out, even if it's there in the first place, if it's not there in the first place, that's because we, we don't know enough about it to present it. 
But then when we do put it in there, they throw it out because it's like, ah, oh, we don't need to know. We'll deal with that later. It's how do we position it? And I think, you know, obviously we've been going on for an hour and hour and 15 minutes here. So we don't want to carry on going too much. And but it's I just it's just fascinating that it's not it's not sexy. It's not, you know, visual. It's not. But at the end of the day, it's what will make or break the ability for us as an industry to be trusted. And, you know, web Webflow is is great because you can get up and running and clients love it because you can edit stuff and. It has all that, you know, all the the stuff baked in. And I know we discussed Webflow and now marketing themselves a bit more dev centric. But at the end of the day, if we if we're to turn turn our direction a little bit, a bit more to to Iva's thinking, um, and combine that with the the aesthetics element, and then obviously the technical elements, like we we as a as a community can really set the standard on what websites should be and how how they should be geared towards performance in a in a sense of a business performance rather than just being sexy and you know because i know like we always say oh animations a lot of that's because we don't we don't love animations and we can't do all the fancy animations but at the end of the day maybe we just start this campaign is like that's a business card this is a business website you know like this is a this is going to get you money this is just gonna be useful when you handshake with a, someone you found somewhere else, and like it's just. I think we should just talk about it a little bit more because it's yeah, and like it, it is. It's you're you're right, Matt. But there is there is literally clients out there that are just like, I want this website to look cool, or they're like, well, I don't. Um, I, there are, but I don't think I don't. And there's people I don't out think there they, who are like, they do. Even if I've spoken to past clients. I'm like, your language has to. You can't have this language, and they're like, well. We're, we're, we're making this website for people like us who I'm going to meet and I want them to read this professional language. I don't want them to have a, a simplified language. And, you know, it, this, so it's, it's, it, it is the, um, the right client. And, and maybe, you know, the right the client that wants, that has a, a business and wants traffic, they're like, nah, I'm, I don't care about SEO. I want paid ads and I want returns right now, not returns in six months. And that's what's so exciting. And I don't think you're doing a disservice, but maybe if you start going down the route and you do it incorrectly, then it's a disservice. Okay. I think having having the conversation that you just mentioned there, I think is what we need to just start. Even if you're talking about, no, 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 I want to do paid ads because of what, you know, I want to be immediate. At least we're talking about, we're talking about an option. Um, at the moment You're talking about business yeah like actual yeah, exa- exactly business. It's, it, it's a business decision it's going no i am going to put resource into here to get re- to get output and or i'm going to go i think yeah either you you alluded to earlier it's like okay maybe a, a, a more of a longer term play but maybe has a bit more uh cost efficiency is let's do research here lay out the the page the site in a way that over the longer term will bring in traffic and in six months time we're converting a hundred users a day every day without spending any money. You know, it's, it's that kind of, but as long as that conversation is happening, you're in a good place with the client. I, I'm, we, maybe we don't have permission to have that conversation because we are the web flow devs or the web flow designers and therefore we're not, but you know, either you're, you're kind of but I do. unique. I, in the, I have a permission yeah, for you that do, conversation. And, 
You you do, but I I want to have permission to do that as well because I think that is okay. It's, it's, it, it, I I will build partnerships with my clients forever if if they trust me to help them with their business outcomes rather than just be the guy okay. on the end of the phone to change the color of a button, you know. So I think I have the answer. First of all, uh, let's Yay. say that a website is like a house, right? So you can build your domestic house where you're going to live with your family. You're not going to make money from it. It's going to be a liability, not an asset, right? You're going to be paying for plumbing when it breaks and you're going to be paying for, I don't know, land taxes or whatever, but you will have some benefits. So that's maybe a business card, right? Or something, website. But then, however, if you want to build an apartment building, which has like 50 apartments that you can rent out and make money from them on autopilot almost, it's a different approach than just building your own house. If you put your bathtub into your bedroom without a wall in your house, that's your personal choice. And that's the fancy animation and little content, right? It's all cool. Yeah. But if you do that on every apartment building that you build to rent out, Nobody's going to rent that unless you're going to make it trendy on TikTok or something. I don't know. Uh, or, or toilet in the kitchen. Like you just put the toilet, to, you know, in the kitchen and they're like, yeah, buy this. So that's, I think, what's the difference between websites. When clients come in, there's a big difference between making a tent inside of the woods. And if somebody finds you in the woods, at least, oh, you are taking care of this position here. Like you kind of, this is your area, right? That's how we declare that. And building your own house, which you will use and you have to be happy about. Building a house for 50 tenants that will use this. And even building a skyscraper for, you know, Fortune 500 companies to rent offices in. It's a very different approach. And then, however, if you go upwards, tent, I can build alone. I don't need to hire Matt. I can whip out a template website today, right? Okay, cool. Maybe for a house, I need like an architect, an engineer or something like to at least not to build you know, toilets inside a kitchen, at least for my sake, right? Um, so, and then the, 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 and then the corridors are too tiny to walk because they're like 15 centimeters and like, oh, it's, you know, so those mistakes don't happen. But then when I'm building something like a 50, 50 apartment building, I need to come, a lot of different people come into play immediately from planning to government to all sorts of crazy stuff. And they all specialize in their own thing. So if your client comes to you, you can give this analogy and say, what are we building here? Like, are we building a business? So we're going to, you know, basically renting the flats where each flat is a page that brings in leads for free. Are we just building a business card, like your home uh, home thing? So we can build that sink, uh, you know, in the middle of when you walk in through the door, there's a sink immediately there, no toilet or nothing like you want it. We can do it. Crazy. Yeah, sure. That would be like crazy animation, side scrolls and random stuff where I usually get confused and just leave the website. But maybe some people don't. So, and then if we're actually building uh, something massive, which is, I don't know, a skyscraper with Fortune 500 companies renting offices there, well, then it's actually the planning stage can last for years, if not decades. Think about it. Like nobody just whips out a skyscraper. You're starting building tomorrow. Start. No, <laughs> that's what Buffalo devs get. <laughs> can you build this page now <laughs> instead of planning for it? And, and, and you know, and, and all that's, I think, what if you kind of communicate that with client that, you know, you wouldn't approach the same building, uh, 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 you know, a tent for yourself in, in the middle of the woods and a 50 apartment rentable, you know, apartment building for a business. You would not do the same things. So which are we doing? If we're doing that, 
then don't start with a designer. Start with somebody who can research the market, make the decisions, make the system, decide on how many people can actually rent apartment in this area, how much our rents are, how much this will cost us. Because I calculate that as well. Like I calculate uh, for that SaaS, for example, what's the return on investment? Sometimes I say to businesses, like, there's no value for you. Like you're going to invest a lot. The risks are high and you're going to make little back. Uh, because it's just the way your business is. And there are markets. That's why I had so many business ideas, but I just cracked them on my own because I calculate the math. And when I find some, something that is like, oh, this area is underserved. There's so many people looking for affordable housing. Bu uh, land prices are very cheap. And look at this, you know, we can build it very cheaply because they don't have work. So they're going to work for cheap. Let's do this. So that's how websites work. Like the ones that I launch on my own are always the same. I find that like the math skews to the low investment, high return. And like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it on my own. I take some time off and we do it. Answers your question? It does. That answers my question. That's class. And it is, it is that like, you know, Matt, I don't think you're doing a disservice. Like if you're servicing a client and a client hasn't done that research, it is possibly something that you can upsell at a later date or try and include or, or even have that conversation and you know it's in a in a way it like as as you were saying it's it's more the what is what does the client want and is the client the right fit because some clients their whole everything could come through TikTok and it doesn't matter and some clients everything could come through paid ads and and it doesn't matter and then some clients they want SEO and it matters. Even then, by the way, and even then, if your page ranks for it and you're paying for ads, you're paying, I think, half of the price per click if that page is already optimized for that search intent. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> how you get it in. <laughs> I'm, just, awesome. I'm just charging just less, my... less for ads if it's already a page that is, is proven by them that even organically would kind of show up. Maybe not on page one, but somewhere somewhere in that front then That's you pay awesome. cheaper I'm, i didn't I'm, know that that's really good to know in my head right now i'm just trying to envisage how i how i get a um a picture of a room like a, a sitting room with a toilet in it as part of my proposal say do you want the sitting room with the toilet in it or do you want the sitting just make room? sure the tv is right in front of the toilet <laughs> in the kitchen and the beer fridge is just within hand yeah, reach yeah. and the pc <laughs> no, desk I... for gaming is somewhere here as well so you turn the toilet uh, like yeah, this you don't and need, game... maybe it's a swivel toilet so you just move between yeah. the awesome components in your living room no, I see the words websites. By the way, that's I see the words websites exactly like that. I look at them as like, this is bizarre. This is like not not and nothing is wrong. And they go, oh, we won an award. And I'm looking at it. Yeah, but try putting this on the internet. <laughs> Legitimately try. It's a difference when you're Nike and your you know Lighthouse Core is one, and you have so much brand and cloud that whatever you throw at the wall sticks because of. Billions, not even millions, invested, right? Because there are certain search queries where you can't possibly rank. Like if you want to rank for best gaming mouse, right? You want to do that. That's like a few hundred thousand investment into just one page to get it there in position one. But then you maybe make from affiliate revenue that in a month backwards or something. I'm spitballing numbers mm -hmm. here, but these are in the ballparks of reality. Uh, that's why Parasite SEO works now, where you don't even rank your own website. You rank somebody else's and take the money for yourself from affiliate links. <laughs> yeah. Gee, that's, um, that's a whole other part. Ivor, Ivor, like, honestly, thank you so much for, one, bringing the knowledge, but two, bringing the, 
the enthusiasm to to to, to go harder it because it's just it's just infectious. Honestly, it's infectious. I, I think you actually made Matt's head explode. You could just see it here. It's no. like he is the exploding emoji. I wish I would solve his issue, but his issue happened before clients meet them, and that's the issue that he will have to live with. No, uh, no, just no be- I'm I'm solving this. I'm solving this. I I remember watching your um watching your talk at Webflow Comp and I think I was sitting next to I think that's next to Rob Hope I think even and and we were the we Apple were looking Let's at each guy, other right? the yeah 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 the yeah, Appalettes yeah, yeah. Appalettes yeah and we were looking He's at each amazing. other going whoa this this guy this guy's making us think differently and I I wasn't sure like how we would dive into SEO but the fact that you we haven't really talked about SEO we've just talked about business it's strategy and it's <laughs> and it's and it's so refreshing because it's something that we sh- we can all take to our clients without any fear of pretending that you know it's all about SEO it's not it's about as you said it's about usability it's about business it's about research it's about knowing your customers and if we if we can get clients thinking like that and we can think like that then yes there, there are place for business cards websites like awards and lots of animations but it, it it's just going to make our industry and our our group of people just that much richer in, in in our clients and clients are going to trust us more and then you know it's just going to grow everything so yeah thank you very much for if, for doing that it's, rem- uh, it's it's brilliant if you remember from the talk i used the quote from and i will not butcher it so i'm not going to say by whom and what is the quote but there there was this image uh that i used in the talk which had a triangle of web website operations which includes a developer a designer and a basically business manager slash seo slash project manager however you want to call it depending on the different things and the problem is that it, it has to start with that person because they if they know him they've done it before they're going to look at any new business any industry any niche any some anything and they're going to look into how we make money from this online because that's what it is, an online business. When you make a website, it's it's an online business, however you look at it. And if the aspect is SEO, sure. If it's TikTok ads, sure. If it's Google ads, sure. If we have to become famous on YouTube, yeah, why not? Whatever. But at least the goals are clear and at least a few <clears throat> avenues tested. I'm a guy who only tests for organic search traffic content driven without huge backlink investments uh if possible and if not then at least you have the base to now throw a bunch of money into link building agencies and and try to do it right uh many seo agencies just go the different route uh, especially those who don't specialize in level that's usually always the case which there's not a lot of us right um it's they're just going to add more content to your blog build a few blog posts or sometimes even send you some content briefs add more stuff to your blog that's the old school way. That's the WordPress way when everything was a post, the category, a tag, you know. And now in Webflow, I can create a CMS collection that it's not called blog. And we're going to compete with blogs because we created like a content type. So that's why I kind of specialize. And that's what I think the important lesson, as you mentioned, here comes. There's three areas of a successful website. There's the business side of it, which is the comes first and is the hardest one to solve because sometimes you just bump a roadblock and you say, there's no market here. Uh, we have to look, maybe TikTok has, nobody even on TikTok is interested in this. I don't know. Uh, there's 
there's no product we can sell. So basically looking for that, you know, looking, well, legitimately looking for the client before you build the product. Because if there's no client, why would I bother even spend time, right? So that's the first step. And then the, and then the, what comes next? Designer development? I don't know. Uh, I personally <laughs> don't know. I think development because we all been there. Yeah, yeah, let's do, designer said, let's do a CMS slider. And trust me, when from a SEO perspective, it's a nightmare. And from development, you both know, of course, you're masters at HTMX and stuff. You probably just whip up something amazing. But then I might come up and say, oh, crawlers don't see it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, something like that. But that could happen. Like a lot of times, I like, guess, yeah, sorry. Crawlers. But they're good conversations to have, you know, and good challenges and problems to solve. That's it. And like, I think what, like what we're trying to get at here is, I don't, I don't know what this fucking podcast, like not this individual, but the whole site guy stuff that Visual Div Just... podcast is. But it's probably going along these lines and challenging ourselves and challenging the Webflow community in terms of what is possible and how we can solve problems that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And... So, um, yeah, guys, that was brilliant. I honestly, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted because yeah, my, 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 my ears are burning. My, I'm just, I'm yeah. So I think Ivor, thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, out. And like, thanks very much for coming on. Oh yeah. Thanks as, guys as. for having me. This is, this was awesome. I, we, I could continue for two more hours probably. Yeah, um, no, I could have kept going there, but I'm starving. I don't need till 8 PM. My first meal comes at 8 PM. So I still have plenty of time. Oh, if, if, if I didn't eat till 8 PM, there would be like an earthquake. I would be so angry. Oh yeah. So. You say that, but if you try it for a week, you would realize you have three times more energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't first think the earthquakes pain, are worth it. But all the friends I have that tried this, first week is a pain in the ass because you don't know what's happening. And then the second week, you feel like you just woke up from a sleep after winter and you just like have all the energy in the world. It's spring. So you're like a bear after hibernation when you eat at eight o'clock. We just, me and my wife just got used to it over the years because we realized that's how nice. you stay in the flow the most. <laughs> and also, you don't, then people say, oh, Are you hungry? No, no. I get hungry at like 8 p.m. Like everybody. So I got used to the cycle. And yeah, and sometimes you wake up, go to a swimming pool, do a training, and then you realize not, nah, it has to be bacon and a bunch of bacon in the morning. And it has to be a, you know, but that happens once, uh, once every, I don't know, sometime. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping this podcast just so I can go and eat right now because you're even <laughs> talk, talking about not eating is making right, me want guys. to eat. So um, anyway, we'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye, right, guys. Hey. Right. Yeah. Fast. Good work. Okay. Thanks, Ivor, and um, we'll catch you next time in six months' time when all our SEO work has come to fruition. We'll we'll ask you back to see see if we've done a good job. <laughs> thanks a lot, okay. guys. Okay, guys. Okay. Cheers. Bye. 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 bye.